Welcome to the Tag Your It Podcast. I'm Ray Ray. And I'm Dave. And uh, yeah, I mean, in uh, live land, this is a second show of the day in podcast land. Uh, Welcome to next week. You know, with with (laughs) Rob on here, I didn't really get to talk about how, you know, I haven't been here since June in the uh, chair. And I just want to thank everyone for praying for me. My foot is doing better. I am feeling better. I won't be here all the time just because of the busyness of my schedule. But man, it's great when I actually can. Next week, though. We will broadcast for the very first time from First Baptist Buffalo. Are we? Are we doing a show next week? We want. Oh no, no show. Oh no, 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 no show week, next week. Yeah, next That's week right. we're, we're just going to work on the paper. Hard. And then the next hard. week after that is when we were planning to talk about the paper, and then it would be a miracles episode. That's right. I'm I'm yeah. prepping for that miracles episode. That's my yeah. next class in seminary is miracles. Yeah, and in that so. there's a really good book, re- or at least a, I want to show you one. Anyway. uh where is it? Where is it? Where is it? You guys should check this out. Vern Poitras. Yes. This is from uh, 2012. I really like to read that book. An errancy and world view. Um, there's a lot of miracle stuff in here, too. Yeah. But miracles and an errancy and world view. Very, very awesome book. Uh, again, it's from 2012. I picked this up, uh, you know, at a really awesome 40% off sale here in town. Um, and I read it in like, Four days is really awesome, good study anyway. But yeah, guys, check this one out. Uh, Vern Poitras, uh, he works with John Frame, um, you know, so he's definitely there. It's all it's all our cool little camp anyway. So call an echo chamber, but we have a lot of fun in that. So so here's one of the things that I do want to. I I know that those who watch us live, those who hear the podcast, uh, by the time some of you who hear the podcast will hear this, uh, what I'm actually going to be talking about will have already passed tomorrow. Actually, I will be presenting Adam and I's resolution to abolish abortion. We did mm-hmm. a whole program over that, and we still stand firm on it. We have set up the Facebook group. I need to do. I need to do some work on getting a few things in place on that, but. Uh, it will be really great for me to be able to present, hopefully, Adam and I will present at the Missouri Baptist Annual Meeting in October. Tomorrow is the deciding day for that. Um, mm-hmm. I will talk about the resolution, and I'll present it to the Committee on Resolutions. And we do have uh, – I'm trying to remember the name of the guy who was on the program last year uh, at the annual meeting with us. Uh, Doug and he were our two uh, – to uh to guest together and i can't think of his name i feel so bad uh really bad because if he's like watching this then it's gonna be terrible but colton strother is on that and he's been on the program so like i know two people who are on the resolutions committee which is going to be super helpful but if you're watching this in live land say a prayer for us because uh if we don't get to present this i'll be extremely disappointed and uh, Adam and I will actually still try to put forward the resolution from the floor. There's a way to do that if we yeah. can't. 
but you just mean we'll need to garner a little bit more support. And uh, I do think there's going to be some pushback. I was surprised last year when I uh, spoke on inerrancy and when I spoke on the roles of men and women in the church, uh, the pushback that I got, it was really weird. And when I presented the resolution against critical race theory, the pushback again that I got was crazy. And I know that there's another guy who is presenting basically our resolution from last year. Yeah. He's rewritten some things, but okay. maybe maybe it not being connected to me will, will allow it to go better. I don't yeah. know. But anyway, yes, uh, abolition is a big deal, um, and we need to support it. Uh, Missouri needs to support it. Um, it's part of a bigger uh, thing going on in the SBC land because at the convention in that in that realm, there's the guys that we've talked to um, that are going to present it as a uh, you know a convention wide uh, resolution to vote on. But please uh, go to uh, search for the MBAA or Missouri Baptist for the abolition of abortion. Um, we put up the Facebook page. We've got the uh, videos up, uh, you know, a couple of posts up, um, but support that. Um, big thing is, is you guys can become messengers. If you're an SBC yes. church in Missouri, um, you correct. are probably, or you are a part of the Missouri Baptist association. If you're not SBC, you still, there's still a chance that you might be an NBC um, in an NBC church. So check out if you don't know um, and see if you can be a messenger, because that's going to, that that greatly helps like ghosts that's how it works yes um and this is the way things work and we can utilize <clears throat> the system and correctly. we want people to vote for yes. this so if yeah. you are in a missouri baptist convention church talk to your pastor about being a messenger so you can go and vote for our resolution and then also tell them about the abolition um thing and you know and then uh research uh you know from our shows um there's stuff from end abortion now there's kevin myers um that we've had on the show he's got so, stuff and like the big thing is just to let you guys know pro-life has worked against itself yes it just because it has uh, made laws on something that wasn't a law that has to be repealed, these things are campaign things. These are political things. They're never going to resolve abortion. So we need to take a stand and be absolutist in this yeah. and preach the gospel, make disciples, teaching them to obey the commands of Jesus Christ. Right. While he has authority in heaven and he's going to be with us until the end of the age. Right. So there's victory. That's right. And Amen. so even if you don't see it, sorry, your perceptions don't matter. Christ has already declared victory. It's going to happen. Are you going to be a part of it? That's God's right. going to move. It's going to happen. Agreed. There's victory no matter what. So that being said, let's walk in victory together. Let's push for abolition. And you can be a part of it right now. You can be a part of the work of God. Hey, I'm going to switch up something so, go for to you. And uh, I know that we are going to deal with Sonny, but. Yeah. We were talking a little bit before about that Word and Way article and their whole like dumping on SBU for yeah. the governing documents. I think we deal with that. I don't care. No one's going to take me <laughs> off. Like, I think we need to deal with it because I, it's I mean, stupid. I mean, it's yeah, a yeah, stupid but, but article, so we need to pull it up. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this is something that I've seen in that. Well, let's uh, do with Sonny the, first, and yeah, then we'll yeah, switch. Okay, like, okay, we'll, we'll never have, mind. Yeah. Okay, you're but not going to no, switch me up that much anyway. Okay, so, gotcha. okay. <laughs> If you want to do that one first, that's good, but whatever. Yeah. Like, if we have the time, I want to deal with it. All right. I at least want to prod you to deal with it and prod. say things that I can't say. Oh, okay. All right. Well, yeah, <laughs> How's you, that? you can read it, and then I'll see if I can. There you go. Okay, anyway. and, I'll, and I'll pull it up, yeah. <laughs> All right. But anyway, yeah, but uh, uh, in this episode, we just kind of wanted to deal with uh, some continuing conversation that, you know, we haven't gotten to um, since uh, we're doing this every other week, doing two shows, pushing it out, you know, one show a week. Um, so uh, the last program that was uploaded on the podcast um, was our uh, discussion of Sunny. Uh, Hernandez and his article on the myth of uh, 
myth of common grace. And so, you know, within that theme, um, it was uh, really interesting to see a meme the other day um, that I kind of made a few comments on. We don't have to deal with that, but um, I just want to look at a meme that sort of deals with the same thing and, you know, the Noahic covenant. So let's go to the meme studio because it is time for some... It's time for some meme theology. We're in the meme theology studio, and the meme that we have for you this evening that uh, fits the theme until you know Dave throws you a curveball. <laughs> anyway, but anyway, well, I mean, yeah. we might not have time. <laughs> yeah, we'll you see. Know. We'll see. I mean, we are long-winded and whatnot. So anyway, uh, but yeah, we got a meme that I saw that we need to definitely deal with because you know where we are getting uh, told that we are heretics. And not Christians and moderate Calvinists and whatnot. I see this meme and I'm like, this this is the stuff that needs to be attacked. Yes. I don't know. It's one of those things like, you know, you get friends, you know, I have the podcast, I'm a barber, whatever. I know that I, I'm known somehow. Um, and, you know, I get uh, people friending me. I see some like fringe friends or something like that. You know, I accept it, you know, because there could be good conversation or whatever I had anyway. But I saw this on, uh, you know, a distant you know, acquaintance, Facebook friend. Um, and I just wanted, I, this, this is the kind of stuff that, uh, you know, we need to really fight, but it, the meme, um, for you guys in the podcast picture of the ark and says, grace did not save Noah. Obedience did. Yeah. So, um, this obviously is a demonstration of the concept that of course, grace is not free. Yeah. that Noah somehow was righteous and that God saw his righteousness and saved him. His acts were righteous. That's problematic because it gets the text backwards. In fact, if you look at Acts, excuse me, Acts, Genesis chapter 6, and we've talked about this before, Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. Now, I want you to, uh, as you listen to Genesis 6, verse 5, I want you to understand the uh, universal statement that's being made about humanity. Sorry about that, man. You're good. Uh, the universal statement that's being made about humanity here, because that's the key context for this, right? First of all, he starts out, uh, Moses starts out by saying, when man began to multiply on the face of the earth. Now, that is a universal man, like humanity. That is the universal, all-encompassing statement, mm -hmm. right? That is the term that he then uses, right, for the daughters of man, right, in verse 2. And, of course, in verse 3, uh, he says, you know, God says, my spirit shall not abide on man. Again, that is humanity as a whole. All of these men, all these statements of men are universal mankind, right? Mm -hmm. Then you go, of course, uh, jumping down very clear to verse 5. We can see exactly how this is being set up. And it says this, the Lord saw the wickedness of man, there's that universal man again, was great in the earth, and every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Notice that that is an all-inclusive statement, right? Mm -hmm. So that sets the context for everything that is happening on the face of the earth, right? The author of Genesis is making it very clear humanity as a whole is evil and wicked. In fact, he even talks about the wickedness in verse 4, right? It says very clearly, verse 6, the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth. It grieved him to his heart. Who is man there? Again, the universal 
mankind, humanity. The Lord said, I will blot out what? Man. Again, universal, everyone, who I created. Man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, I am sorry that I made them. Very interesting. We get the full impact of Adam and Eve. Their sin impacted not just man, but even the animals are not in this day in the righteousness that God created them. Right? Very key piece. Then it says here, verse 8, But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. There is no works of Noah. There is no there is nothing that distinguishes Noah outside of the universal man until this and Noah found favor. Noah didn't create favor. Noah didn't demonstrate his goodness. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Yeah, and that's the thing that we need to understand because you all well, for one, you got to get into the narrow context of you know of where we're looking at right now within the book within the total scripture because that's what we have we have the final stuff here that we need to know and so what you need to do to say that he was saved was that there's a distinction that you can prove right here between the all like what he's saying and the all wickedness and why there's a special pleading case for noah is it his works or is it god now we're going to get into it to where you know noah did worship and all that kind of stuff but you have to prove from that text that it was because of his worship or was he worshiping because God was doing in him to will and do as the rest of the t- scriptures teach. So where you, where's your hermeneutic is what would be my, to, to be able to make a special pleading case um, from that, that Noah found favor with the Lord, that he is different and separate in and of himself from the all inclusive wickedness of the earth at the time. Yeah, and then it makes it very clear, again, Noah was not doing anything that separated him in righteousness or integrity prior to this, right? There was nothing that he did to earn or to merit, and that's key. When you deal with garbage like this, and I have no clue what kind of person legalist would put this kind of stuff, no. Noah's obedience was a result of God's grace. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. And, and, and so, that's yeah. a key piece to shut that down. Yeah, I'm sorry, and, but yeah. And so, yeah, whenever you get into it, you know, I kind of just mentioned, um, because the some of the comments, you know, I was just kind of being like, we need to worry, I mean, just th- why this meme is such a, a theme uh, between the whole sunny thing is there's ditches. Yes. There's ditches on either side. Either you can go into a works righteousness here, in and of yourself, or you go into antinomianism. Yes. And so either either you're in no law land, you can do whatever you want, which Paul condemned. Yes. You don't do everything you want to make grace abound. Yes. Yet, you know, you can't go into, I have to, like, you know, where we've, where I've had to deal with um, uh, Richard or uh, Richard Howe, not Richard, Richard Toe, uh, about, you know, whenever he says that there's a maintenance um, of sanctification which is not scriptural. Um, so, you know, we, we, we can't do that. There's two ditches and we have to be in the middle and it's not being in the middle to be in the middle. No, I'm not doing a dialectic exercise of thesis and antithesis and then synthesizing and then making a new thesis to then that's not what I'm doing. The Bible, um, keeps us in the middle of, you know, like that. This is how Vantillians can get around how, 
how people do know God, how everybody does know God, but the sinner doesn't know God. That's right. The Bible says both, but in what sense, right? So there, there, is, there are two ditches that you can fall into, and the Word of God keeps you down the middle of that path if you study um, the two sides here. Get right on. Yeah. And so, you know, whenever you get into this, you know, the thing that I mentioned, I was like, well, for one, God, you know, is the one who works to for you to will and do while you, what, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, right? Um, there's also James, and this one fits, um, you know, this meme kind of fits in with uh, what James talks about in uh, James 2, which is the, you know, the big, uh, the big uh, debacle uh, between Paul and James, right, if you don't study um, and you don't uh, and wrestle with this. Um, but uh, he says that in the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. Um, so faith without works is dead. So Noah had faith. Noah trusted God. It hadn't rained. God told him it was going to flood. Noah's like, what the heck you talking about? And again, from about? a young earth creationist faith. position, yeah. many would even say that it had never rained. So the idea yeah. of it raining yeah. for the first time yeah. would have been, what? You're like, yeah. water's going to fall Remember, from the sky. Remember, a mist came from the ground. <laughs> God cursed the ground. Again, we talked about that. God lifted a curse after this. There was The ground was, was cursed. So you only had a mist at the time of Adam and Eve. Um, then the ground was cursed. So... I guess you know. Basically, you only had to like you had to dig channels from rivers <laughs> to, to get right. water, right? Or maybe some water still misted from the ground at some level. We don't know all that. We can speculate all we want, but the ground was cursed. Um, it did not rain in the days of Noah, and he's told about a flood. So, how much faith did he have to exercise, and how did he get that faith if he was wicked? How did he find favor with God if the whole world was wicked? Those are the questions that you have to ask. And again, we have to do this um, in light of uh, the total scripture since we have it. That's right. Um, especially since we have Christ, which corrected the Pharisees and the Sadducees and anybody else that came up against Satan himself. Um, he corrected, um, you know, straw men. He corrected, um, misapplied, and just totally misconstrued. Uh, doctrine um, that was taught. And so we do know in the New Testament how people are saved and what all that is. God has revealed it and we can preach it and we can hope and rest in it. Um, but, you know, the, the big thing is, is grace did save Noah. And because of it, Noah, I'm sure, because he was given a new heart, you know, he, he saw it and said, thank you, God, for telling me. <laughs> so, you know, so we can't uh, do this. And I, I can't believe Somebody would, I mean, I guess if you're, um, if you don't have Christ, if you don't have the New Testament, I guess you can maybe assume <laughs> this, but we have Christ, so we cannot assume that uh, grace um, did not save Noah, but obedience did. Now, working out of that obedience uh, physically saved uh, Noah. Didn't he survive a flood after he built an ark? Yes, yes. It was his obedience, but it worked on a lot of faith, especially again, it didn't rain. Why, how is it going to flood all this kind of stuff? Um, you know, that's, that's just kind of, kind of ignorant, but it still goes to show you, uh, we can't, uh, we can't fit in a ditch. We can, we need to avoid ditches and we can't flatten out things. So I think that's the big thing. We cannot flatten out things. God is a, you know, I can say both. God is a bigger God than we could ever imagine, but he has put himself in a box he has revealed himself in a multifaceted way in this box. 
he has revealed it. It is for us. The secret things are his, but the revealed stuff's for us. And again, we can proclaim it. We can preach it. We can hope in it, rest in it, and uh, bring other people into the family to be able to do the same until Christ comes. So, Well, the interesting thing to me on this is not only, at least for me, you actually have two different ditches here. I would actually think that the individual who is falling into this category is not the same category as, as Sonny, right? Yeah. Because Sonny, I think, would be with us 100% that, yeah, it was by grace that Noah was saved. I, yeah. I would be shocked if that wasn't the case. I would assume that, again, Sonny would say, obviously, Noah was a pre- covenant jew right he wasn't jewish by covenant but he makes covenant with god right Mm -hmm. Uh, which is a key piece right and so obviously he would fall in line with us and he would reject this idea so i just want to make sure that I, i lay out a commonality and and for me the reality that hey we're actually running in the same lane on multiple things is is an important issue like i don't want to throw ad hominems out I want to, okay, address, okay, you don't like the, the term common grace. Is that really what you, you just don't like the term common grace? Or is it that you don't think that there is some type of goodness of God that is demonstrated to the unelect and the unregenerate? Yeah. Like, that is a, those are vastly, those statements, right, are actually problematic. Yeah. No, there is no goodness. The goodness of God does not transcend into unregenerate people. That is the statement that I feel like is being made. You say, I don't like common grace. Are you saying to the extreme that there is no goodness of God that the unregenerate experience? Yeah. Is that really where you are? Yeah. Okay. That is a position that you need to prove from Scripture. To say, well, you've got to prove from Scripture common grace. All I have to do is prove that there is a concept that is demonstrating God's goodness that is not salvific. Yeah, and then here's on the other side of that, um, in the comments that I was, you know, I was kind of talking here, and they were replying back to me, um, this actually comes from a very provisionalist mindset. So who comes to mind when we say provisionalism? Who has debated Sonny? It'd be Leighton Flowers. Mm-hmm. And so here's, you know, so here's here's one thing. Sonny is flattening out grace. Yes. And then... What does Leighton Flowers do? He flattens out God's love. So you got the same spirit of flattening out something that God has preached about himself to us and on both sides. And this is something that is incredibly important as we kind of look at some of these responses. So first of all, ad hominem attack stating that we are, what, moderate Calvinists. So the very serious, that's, that's, that's an interesting allegation, right? We're moderate yeah. Calvinists. Okay. What does it mean to be a moderate Calvinist? It means that you have modified the teachings of Calvin in some way. Okay. Sonny does not believe in pedo-baptism. I know because he wanted to debate Well, that. I mean, that's, I, and whenever, so, so this yeah. is coming, we'll make this the official transition. Sorry. <laughs> I hope I didn't this, jump into that too quickly. Like, I think it was actually beautiful how that, uh, you know, we didn't really have to make the transition, but you know, here's the point is, so, uh, we, we did, um, do the podcast, uh, that night, uh, for the podcast people, they didn't see that people were that Sonny was commenting, um, in the live video and I had responded to it. 
Um, my buddy Brandon um, brought that to my attention that I don't understand what you were saying there. So yeah, he was commenting and I was just uh, kind of replying because he was trying to already um, utilize um, some arguments to go, Oh, you know, at us, you know, and yeah. I was just going, no. Okay. So that's what that was there. But then even after that, um, well, this statement, yeah. I get it is always yeah. your moderate Calvinist. Yeah. Okay. This but is I'm just, I'm just yeah. yeah. Let okay. me set this up yeah, here yeah. real quick. Please. Go for um, it. But Sorry. yeah, so he ended up, uh, two or three, I think it was two days after, um, we had that he finally had time to um, you know, I guess he had listened to the whole podcast and then Thank made you. a post. Glad that you did. Yeah. Appreciate it. And then he made a post. And so then we've, you know, he, we can go through that post and that kind of stuff. And so that's what we're hitting up now. So we have been called names. We have been called, you know, heretics basically now. Um, I had, I had done some conversating in the uh, reply box on his thing since he tagged me in it. And I was kind of just asking some questions and saying some things. And so, um, Dave and I have been called heretics. Um, we have been called not Christian. We have been told that we don't know the gospel. I got my, I think two people, um, preached the gospel to me and, you know, comment form. And then they informed Sonny that they did that. Um, that's the kind of the attitude that it's going on. You know, I, I talked about it and you know what, if, I, if, if I'm a heretic to Sonny on this issue, then thumbs up, I'll yeah. buy a t-shirt that well, says hashtag I'm a heretic, but yeah, no, fine. no, right in, right yeah. on. Um, so here's the reality, Sonny, you made a massive claim, read the claim that he made in his statement about church history. So yeah, right now, so whenever we go back into uh, the Bingo. article that he had, he Bingo. says, study church history to see what kind of men are notable for redefining, so the teleological terms, they are called heretics. And so here's the, here's the claim. He called us name droppers. That's all we had. We were name droppers. That was a response to actually using church history to do what he said. Yeah. So we did what you said, and we found that your point was invalid, or, or you reject the Westminster diviners, you reject, again, people like Burkhoff and Kuiper and Luther, and then you're acting like it's a problem to be a moderate Calvinist. You can't have both and. That is logically inconsistent and fallacious reasoning. I'm sorry, you know better logically. So it's an attack on us to say that we're moderate Calvinists, but wait a second, you reject what Calvin says about common grace and for his commentaries. We actually looked up and actually read church history to do what you said yeah. and we found your point historically inaccurate yeah so it's one of those things like um the thing is we brought up the fact that calvin taught a notion of common grace that's the term you use a notion of common grace he taught it so therefore you're calling calvin a heretic yes yet then you turn around and inconsistently try to utilize the term moderate Calvinist as something that is a jab to try to get us fired up. And it's like, wait a sec, wait a second. Calvin's a heretic. So I'm a heretic now. Calvin's a heretic. So what are you saying? You're so moderate here is the emotion laden. Like there is something more to Sonny than what he is putting off. There's some insecurity in him or something. And what he is doing is, trying to flail around to get somebody riled up. That's all he wants to do. This is called dissension. Yes. And it needs to be dealt with. I wish you had some elders that you were accountable to because we would go to them with this. Yeah. And it's one of those dissension things I, among offered the the same, I offered the same thing. I said, Hey, Sonny, I go to Redeemer church. If you think I'm an heir, please contact 
my eldership because I am in leadership and apparently I'm going to lead people astray if I'm a heretic and I shouldn't be in my position. And, you know, this is another, all it was snide remarks, but I was going like, seriously, like if you are actually care about this, if it's really a gospel issue or just a contact Facebook theologian, actually, I would turn that back on you. If you're more than a Facebook theologian, you would actually be concerned about the salvation of people and you would engage them rightly. Yeah. So you don't like the term common grace. Real quick. Then you don't go around saying, oh, you, you uh, moderate Calvinist. Again, do you baptize babies? Yeah. No, you don't. Do you follow the Presbyterian ecclesiology? Nope. Well, if you affirmed the 1689 London Baptist Confession, then no. So you're a moderate Calvinist. You've moderate, do you affirm a notion of common grace? You are a moderate Calvinist. So we can it be... It goes back on you. Yeah, the only, the only reason why this works is because Sonny has now become relativistic. Yes. So this argument only exists in a relativism. And so that's how he feels he can get away with uh, what he's getting away with. But the only thing is, here, here's the deal. We're not brothers, at least to him, but you know, we profess faith in Christ. He professes faith in Christ. We want to deal with him as a brother. We're not going to write him off yet. You know, this is just the first time that me and or that we and Sonny have had any sort of interaction. We want to deal brotherly because we are instructed by Scripture to do so. And Jesus Christ Himself says in Matthew five, and He says in verse twenty-two, "But I tell you, everyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Whoever insults his brother or sister will be subject to the court. Whoever says you fool will be subject to hellfire. Watch out! Watch out, Sonny." We need to reconcile, but, and this is my main contention, I'm not afraid to have a discussion with you. Dave's not afraid to have a discussion with you. Um, we're, we're doing this without you because we want to set up some stuff for the audience, and we want to reach out to you to say, unless if you come to us as brothers, to have a conversation as brothers on this issue, um, we will not have a conversation. It's not because we're afraid. It's just that you need to be dealt with and treated as a Gentile because compared to what Jesus says here, you are running the risk of hellfire because you are calling us fools and you haven't even tried um, to um, actually treat us as brothers. You out of the, out of basically out of the gate, the venom of asp is underneath your lips and your feet are quick to shred blood. That is not a good heart. You're not trying to be reconcilial um, out of the gate. So until we can actually have a, a unnamed calling, at the very get go, and it's one of those things that I know it's what Sonny likes to do. And he, whenever we moderated that debate, you know, whenever he says the word brother, he has to always qualify himself because he wasn't going to call Aaron Brummett brother at all. And he just said as a modern colloquialism, but he didn't really, you know, he has to make the jab. So let's, you know, we can have a conversation if there is no jabs and there's actually text involved. Yeah. And that's it. And it's actually reconcilial. We, you should want to reconcile with us and not throw us under a bus. We're wanting to do the same to you. We're not throwing you under a bus, but we will do what Christ has told us to do. Yeah. My serious, uh, the serious statement that I would like to have is, okay, so you don't like the term common grace. I can grant you, is there a better term? Okay. Please demonstrate to me that God is never good to the unelect. God's goodness does not shine on the non-elect. 
you state when trying to respond to us, uh, again, the problem that I have with some of these responses are there are more ad hominems than they are anything else. Let's go with the, the Psalm chapter 145, verse 9. It says, does not teach common grace that God is good to all men without exception. Psalm 149 says, the Lord is good to all. His tender mercies are over all his works. Of course, God gives providence to all of his creation because he works all things to the counsel of his will. So your statement is, God gives providence. Okay, excellent choice of word. My question would be, do you know the etymology of providence? Do you know the etymology of providence? What is the root meaning of the word providence? Well, I'll give it to you. Good governance. Divine intervention. So you just said that God gives good governance? God gives resources? God gives divine care? That is providence. So you're just saying it in a different way. And because of the semantics that you've now applied to this concept, we're now heretics. Just say it. I don't like the term common grace, but there has to be some element of goodness. Then you need to prove that God's element of goodness does not shine on the non-elect. Yeah, I mean, even, that, that's really yeah. the statement that you're making. Yeah, and so God, that's one of those things that's like, uh, you know, the big, the big broad issue of grace here um, is implied in... Uh, Abraham in um, the story of Abraham written by Paul um, in Romans four, when it says now to the one who works, pay is not credited as a gift. So if it's not credited, that's grace, right? It's not grace if it's owed. So if it's not owed, but it's given, that's a gift. That's grace. And so he's talking about grace here. And yes, in this instance, he's talking about Abraham where he um, had faith and uh, he was, he was uh, righteous by having faith. Um, but the thing is, there is a there is a biblical definition of grace. I'm not getting grace from a dictionary. I'm not getting grace from anywhere else. That's just scripture. And so, whenever you take that, whenever you see in the scripture that if somebody's giving given something that they do not deserve, I think I have biblical warrant to say that's grace. Now, if it works out in judgment, if I'm going to give you this, my goodness despite yourself and then let you twist that goodness because you're a sinner and you hate me, I'm still going to give it to you. God asks us to be good to our enemies, to be children of the father, right? To our enemies. And so we are reflections of God. Whenever he is making us more like Bingo. Christ. Now we are made, we are being formed, conformed to the image of Christ. And if we are loving our enemies, the way that Christ has asked us to, we are reflecting him. And so the big issue of, of grace coming from love, God is love. Like there is no like, okay, this think about the Dan Barker debate, Sonny, where you, you, you had to explain about like abstractions and stuff. So here's God. Here is where all the abstractions live. Here's us. And we're viewing through these abstractions onto God. No, God is love. There's nothing in between us and God. We're not judging God. And saying, well, here's how he's loving. No, he is love. And from him is where we get the definition of love. And he cannot not be love. Now, out of love, he is just and after righteousness and holiness and calls us to be holy. But no matter what, 
He gave, he gives life. He gives all this stuff. We don't deserve it. And so there is a broad definition of grace written on throughout scripture. Now it's that grace when twisted and turned into, I'm going to build my kingdom. I don't care about your kingdom. God sits back in heaven and lasts, lets you destroy yourself, but it's still grace that you're twisting that he, again, like I said, in the last podcast, I said, basically saying that God can only say, I've been nothing but good to you. Leave. The, 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 the atheist, the agnostic, the Muslim, the whoever, whoever's in unbelief is not going to have any defense against God. He repays good for evil and then has justice. He, there, there's a delay. We're still alive. And, and I'm sorry, but, but you know, I'm not trying to, to, to switch too much because I think man, yeah, everything you're saying there is great on. It's, it's spot on, at least in, in my opinion. Uh, it's really interesting. It seems like you've copied and pasted Ezekiel 33.11 and Ezekiel 18.11 from somewhere else because you attribute a argument to us that we don't make. We would never say that God desires to save all. Yes. That's not the argument. The That's argument not what we've put forward. We have made a it's distinction. Ignorant. So ignorant, you didn't listen yeah. to it. And so what Sonny's doing here is he's taking his definition of grace, putting it into our argument and going, see? And it's like, no. We have a distinction. We, we didn't use Second yeah. Peter three nine either, by the way. Yeah, you did at the <laughs> like, very beginning, but it's not the way. Like, yeah. he's he's charging you yeah. in the sense that no, no. We when it comes to Second Peter three nine, we know that the context is the audience. Um, we know that he's talking to believers, and that God does not, you know, God wants all His people to come to repentance and faith. We totally get that. So we're on um, your side on that. Yeah, yeah. Like. If you truly think we have some problem, explain. But you, wait a second. Don't use the word God has providence over the unelect. You can't use that word because that word actually means divine blessing, right? Yeah. And so uh, divine goodness. So you've just reframed the way something was said. Yeah, so, it's just know, fallacious thinking. Yeah. And it's, oh, you're a moderate Calvinist. Yeah, so, so if you, you want to play so that game. Yeah, we can't play that game, and I don't want to play yeah, the, just the same game in that sense, you know. Um, but you know, when it comes down to it, you know, I think it's just a shock rock um, type uh, apologetics, just clickbait. And uh, you That's, know, but the thing is, it's creating, it's creating, especially like I, I get certain divisions. Yeah. This is an offense. The gospel's foolish. Uh, he uses what's meager and weak in the world to shame the wise. That's right. There, Jesus did come with a sword that would separate mothers um, from daughters and fathers from sons. Yes, totally, totally get it. Jesus is the rock of offense that people stumble over and get crushed by. Um, and I preach that, and there shouldn't be anything um, in our catalog um, where we've spoken against that. But the issue is, is we do make a distinction. In the love of God, God has revealed himself in a multifaceted way. And again, Sonny, just like Leighton Flowers on the other side, you are a doctrine flattener because, and I think it's because you have hate in your heart and it can't, you can't have any semblance, any like, guess what? If you believe in the Trinity, you believe the same thing as a Catholic. That's oh, right. Oh no. Oh no. Actually, no, it's okay. Because why? Sonny, it's scriptural, right? Okay, so again, just because Arminians twist or certain segments of Arminianism, I've been I've been 
I've been, I, I need to get a little bit more studied on this, like reformed Arminian, uh, got a buddy, um, that, uh, he hit me up on using the term Arminian. So I'll say Wesleyan or, you know, or just this, that form. Um, like I, I get that things get twisted. I, we don't hold a prevenient grace. I believe that grace is a decision of God based on his character. Mm. It yes. is not a force. It is not some, I mean, you can talk poetically all you want, but if we're talking about the objective nature of grace, it is a decision. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. I'll have compassion on whom I have compassion. And, and it is a direct verb of the person that is making the action based on his character. And uh, so we're in the same camp on that. And that's like, the same, that's what's same so camp. Silly. But yeah, so this You've is. You've made a circle so small in defining. Orthodoxy, by your statement, look at all of church history. You've pushed out all of the people on whom shoulders you stand. Like, that is problematic to have pushed them out completely on what you would call orthodox. Uh, that's an ignorant view of church history. I'm sorry. And you can get mad at me for saying that. But, man, you ask us to look at church history. Uh, I've studied church history a little bit in seminary, um, and we went to church history, and we quoted from church history. So who are these people from church history that have it right? Show us. Yeah. Because if everyone in church history got it wrong, except for you, here's who, here's who welcome, got it right. to, welcome to Mormonism. Yeah, so here who apparently has got it right, and I need to look it up even more, I guess, because I saw an earlier um, saying, or at least an earlier passage from this guy, and it was along the lines of you and me here. Yeah. Um, and so I need to look at the later works. Um, but here's the thing. We were called name droppers, and then in the comment box, he there you drops go. Gordon Clark. Yeah. If you guys don't know who Gordon Clark is, there is some good spirited debate between Vantillians and Clarkians. It's a presuppositional issue. It is a Westminster, Princeton, whatever, um, you know, that, that sort of camp issue. Um, but the thing is, he's like, until whenever I read the uh, works of Clark, um, that opened my eyes that I was totally like duped by Van Til's teaching and all that kind of stuff. So to let you know, yeah, he's yeah. not Van Tillian anymore. Oh yeah, I knew that. So, uh, you told Sonny, me. for one, get rid of your book that you wrote that has Van Til on the front cover. Yes. So be consistent. Oh, and here's the other <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah. Since we're all heretics for affirming common grace. Everyone who went to the Reforming America conference where Sam Waldron spoke, where H.B. Charles spoke, legally you need to actually probably give them their money back because you, you said you were presenting good Reformed theology, and those guys weren't good Reformed theologians. They were heretics, and you would thereby have, again, created a situation where you ripped off everyone and lied to them. Have you repented for that publicly? You haven't. Yeah, and that's the thing is, you. Like, I I didn't know you're not Vantillian anymore. Like, seriously, like, talk yeah. about stuff. <laughs> you know, um, let us know if, if Vantill's duped you and satanic now, which there's a guy that's wrote a book about it, yeah. um, you know, then, man, why didn't you come after us? Why yeah, right away. Go, hey, when when, guys, we, wait, when you came him, to Springfield, yeah, we've worked did with you, you not, like, say, hey, guys, you know, I got a real concern for you. No, it was, oh, you're going to host a debate for me. Yeah, yeah, we actually did the legwork to do something for you, but you wouldn't even do the the you wouldn't even do the theological work to help correct people that you cared about. So you just used yeah. them. 
which then goes into the whole thing that was said whenever we were doing the podcast that, um, you know, I'm not surprised and it shows the a priori. He didn't really think much of us to begin with. Yeah. So, you know, so there, there's, there's a lot, a lot of stuff there. Um, well, let's but the jump thing is, to, yeah, oh, you ready? Go for it. No. You ready to jump to the, I, there's only so oh, much no, I can say. Jump, but, oh yeah. Yeah. So oh, no, but we're good. Yeah, I mean, like yeah. if we can stay here too, I, I don't want to, <laughs> no, I just no. kind of wanted to like, yeah. I want to hear some Adam reflections on something. <laughs> The Word and Way, September 9th, 2020, had an interesting article, Adam. It did. It impacts me, a place where you've been as well. Have I been Southwest there? Baptist University, Southwest of all Baptist. places. Yeah. Southwest Baptist University, Brian Kaler reports. I don't know how, uh, how awesome I'm going to be in this, but I can provide some colorful commentary. I'd hope you would. Okay. Please do. I hope I'm not being, like know. putting you in a bad way. We'll, we'll find out. Bad news. For SBU, Adam, SBU adds three creedal statements for religion professors. The article reads, Professors in the Redford College of Theology and Ministry at Southwest Baptist University in Bolivar, Missouri, will be required to affirm three additional statements beyond the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 if they wish to keep their jobs. So, can't... <clears throat> can't a business with a trustee board um, have requirements for their employees? Private business? Is it a private business? I'm yeah, thinking it's, it's pretty private. private. Yeah. So, so the question is, can any business, any private business, have requirements for their employees? Okay. These must be bad statements. The word and way is very concerned. Oh, they're bad statements. The okay. three statements are the nineteen seventy eight Chicago statement on biblical inerrancy. Oh, the, uh, is that is that the uh the statement that says that scripture is true and that uh, there's no error in it, just like the Baptist faith and message itself? So if you're sending your kids to a uh, Christian school, you kinda want them to uh to believe the Bible, wouldn't you? Yeah. Oh so so, so uh, but I'm just saying like you're talking about the Baptist Faith and Message 2000, yeah. right? And then the that 1978 was that was rewritten after the Chicago Statement on Biblical Inerrancy because of the Chicago Statement of Biblical Inerrancy. Because prior to 2000 was the 16 or the 1963, which had some weak points in it on intentionally. Inerrancy. So, so this document does not does it conflict? Here's with another the faith other and bad message. news. Other yeah. bad news on the neighborhood. I haven't even got that far in, and it's getting bad. Yeah, it's a long one. The 1988 Denver Statement on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood, so, and the 2017 Nashville Statement on Sexuality. Okay, so complementarianism, which is a Baptist, already a Baptist belief, and just reaffirming and adding language to uh, solidify, so, so, you know, we don't want wiggle room whenever Christ has not given us wiggle room, right? He said he he even alluded to the creation of male and female. Um, Christ was basically the objective form of a covenant, so there is a covenantal thing there to where we're covenantally, um, you know, we're we're made equal, right? But we are covenantally bound into complementary roles, and it, if that if that you know, so there's nothing that's not conflicting. So it's just an extra one that only. Um, so would, the would Denver statement out. is. A clarification, just questioning you. Yeah. 
the Danvers statement is a clarification of the distinct roles that God has empowered yeah. male and females with. Yeah. Both in the church. Yeah. Oh, both in the church and in the family. Yeah. Tell me about this terrible Nashville statement. Oh man, I think what we is had that? that? Oh, I think we had that on our podcast. We had Andrew Walker on our podcast to talk about that. And, and I guess that, where? That- guess where he's an alumnus of? By the way. Oh wait, uh, yeah, Andrew Walker, Southwest Baptist University, and a framer of the Nashville Statement. So you, so you have a, you have people signing a document that has been framed, helped frame, framed by a alumni of that school. So a Baptist helping a Baptist helping a Baptist. Okay. So Baptist. what is the, what are those key points uh, in the Nashville Statement? If I'm talking to a student at SBU. And I'm like, hey, the national statement's a good deal. Like, what? What is? Why was it written? What is it good about? I mean, give us a yeah. Basically, roadmap. the synopsis is: Hey, we've had just like councils in the past. Whenever a big problem pops up, people get together to make sure that they can define certain terms, define certain issues that we believe, and it's not adding anything extra. It's just expounding on. Again, this Baptist Faith and Message 2000 has the seeds maybe not fully explain these other documents help keep things in line and in order. Um, if it's academia, Hey, we like, we like documents, right? So the, the article is written and I think yeah. that I'm completely fine. To sell this. The article is written by Kaler to attack this move, yeah. right? He is literally saying this is a terrible thing for professors at a Southern Baptist, Missouri Baptist college in the theology department to sign statements that affirm Southern Baptist, Missouri Baptist theology. And so my first question would be to ask like, okay, have you seen Baptist history? And it's only within recent history that we became uh, very, oh, unless if you're an Anabaptist, uh, but this country comes from a lot of reformed theology, which are very confessional and love confessions, especially, you know, Benjamin Keach's son coming over here and writing one. So we're confessional people. So stop making like, stop. I would just say like, why are you thinking something that is distinctively or is a Baptist historical thing? Why are you making fun of it whenever Baptists are being this Baptists? This is an incredibly good thing. We have seen Southern Baptist seminaries in the United States grow since they have been confessional and conservative. Yeah. What are the fastest growing colleges in the United States? Spurgeon College, private college, fast growing yeah. private college, Spurgeon College. In order to teach there, I had to sign these exact same documents. You know why? Because it protects the students and it guides the professors. It's guide rails with which, uh, within which to teach and to instruct so that you can be historically Baptist. Why was the 2017 Nashville Statement written? Because guess what? 20 years ago, no one ever talked about transgenderism. 30 years ago, no one had to worry about what a family was. It was clearly, clearly defined in Scripture, but in society, it was also regulated by the reality that man that God had created male and female. Now people are saying, no, no, God didn't create me a male or female. God created me a toaster. Just like whenever Arius showed up and he was saying Christ wasn't divine. So study and a little so church then history. The come up and they define things and make confessions. This is an incredibly good thing. Yeah. Missouri Baptists should be celebrating this. They should be excited about yeah. this because I mean, almost all of their churches and pastors would agree with every single one of these things. Yeah. And guess who helps fund and sends the most students to SBU? Missouri Baptist. Yes. 
But yeah, right. so so the big thing, I mean, I I saw this article come from someone that was a and I mean, I know a lot of alumni yeah. from SBU, especially late 90s, um mid mid aughts um yeah. would be, kind of be the 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 people I know and there's so the guy that I know um has become a pastor of a Nazarene church, you know, and they're egalitarian and um they're very inclusive and all that kind of stuff. So he's mad and says that's the school that he didn't go to. Well, I am very happy it's not the school that he went to because he's a Nazarene. We're Baptists. And that's the problem. And so he is mad that a Baptist school is acting Baptist. All right. So yeah. I don't want to like make us run long. You yeah. got just a few more minutes for me to run I through got a little few bit more on this? here. It's okay. Monday, dude. All right. Don't want to be. So there's some things that I'm that I have to keep my mouth on. So, I'm going to have to let you defer to you on some of these things. Okay. The requirement is the latest move in a nearly two-year controversy at the Mm -hmm. school. Hmm, Controversy. In November 2018, SBU fired Clint Bass, a Redford professor, for violating SBU's faculty handbook. Bass had met secretly with Missouri Baptist Convention leaders in an effort to allegedly drive out the theology professors. A trustee committee upheld his dismissal. So, do you know what Clint Bass did? Do you know what happened there? I know a little bit. What happened? Well, I mean, there there was the uh, Missouri, I, I, I think if I have it right, Missouri Baptist did ask them, ask him to. So, Missouri Baptist people that pay money since uh, if you're in a Missouri Baptist Convention church, you actually pay money to the NBC, which then gives them, I think, a million dollars a year. <laughs> That's a big, huge part a of SBU's budget. So there is interest, um, and rightfully so. And so uh, what happened with uh, Clint Bass is that he had noticed that that uh, students were saying things that they would learn, that they have learned from other professors that were not baptist in scriptural the public, and there definitely is ba- still not baptist. to this day and a so, document yeah. where professors from the redford school of theology are speaking very clearly in affirmation of a purgatorial view of individual eschatology yeah and further uh the statement is made by one who taught in the theology department that uh justification was not immediate it was a growth process and then i there was another statement made by the dean that said um that uh, there would be a possible other way of salvation based on romans 2 which is bad exegesis and annihilationism yep not historically southern baptist yep so i mean so it's one of those things that we need to really understand is there there the 1689 that has a great understanding of this. Um, the church is going to be a mixture of right and wrong. So we've got to find those blind spots. We've got to find those wrong doctrines, but we do recognize um, that there might be a mixture of truth and error um, in any institution. Um, but we're going to call ourselves Baptist. We're going to be Baptists. So what's wrong with acting like Baptists, especially whenever you consider history, not just the right now moment uncontextual truth so we could go on for quite some time yeah 
But yeah, check out the Word and Way, Way article on that. Um, that and I, I'll, I'll say, um, as somebody that hasn't been to school or anything, just from um, what I would like to see in a school, if I, you know, would go to it, it would be, you know, what do you believe? What are you going to teach? Just like I would go into my church because this is done in a church setting. If we, we should all be believers learning together, and this is just an extension of discipleship, um, being equipped to do the ministry. Um, and so I need to know what the beliefs of my professors are. I need yes. to know what the beliefs of my dean are. They're the ones that are buying curriculum. They're the ones that are making curriculum. They're the ones that um, are putting classes together to teach the kids that end up being the next pastors. That's right. Who then train up the next kids who want to become the next pastors. And this is a generational thing. This is working out of uh, De- Deuteronomy 6. Yeah. Um, this is the mandate of uh, the family. This is the mandate of pastors and elders um, to their churches and also to one another because we should be being equipped uh, to do ministry and to rebuke, exhort, correct each other as congregation members. So this is a very multifaceted issue. So, you know, this, the, you know what, what is going on right now to SBU um, is the right thing to do because transparency it's that simple yeah and so you know people are going to have a problem with it you know there is a liberal you know that it is that same liberal um theology versus conservative theology fight um and it's getting fought right now so you're going to experience the 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 death throes hopefully of of the historical critical um method of of interpreting scripture That's right. which has i'm, I'm going to say it has led to dispensationalism in the American gospel. Sorry, but yeah. that's just the truth, um, which has led to works salvation, which has led to a lot of stuff that we deal apologetically on this show with. So, so thank you for commenting on this. I know You're I put you welcome. on the spot. All right. I, just, I, I really I wanted well. that you, oh, brother, you did so, you did so well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's been odd yeah. to uh, be back in the studio, do two shows. Awesome I'm sorry here. that I haven't got used to reuse being reused to the microphone <laughs> but i am right. back to trying to be reused to the microphone and i'm really looking forward to our work next week yeah uh we should hopefully have two books coming out within the next few months from baptist and reformed press and uh adam and i will be excited to get to work on those things um we won't be here next week but we will be back the week after yes. that to, yes on the live land yeah. but you know we actually will have another podcast, podcast for you week. next week no matter what so you guys get the uh the uh the cool stuff from us i guess so always want to encourage you to like the Facebook page. Yep. Go to. Be sure to give us feedback share. on iTunes. Please share us. You know, please like give us, us feedback. Five yeah. star reviews and, on uh, iTunes. Please, please, please. Invite your friends into a conversation with you, with us. We've still never <laughs> broke a thousand. It would be awesome for us to break a thousand likes. Sure. Yeah. We would really love that. Yeah. It would be a way cool thing. So, yeah, let your friends know that something like this, and especially if you guys are in Springfield, get a hold of us. Yes. Um, get on here. Get a hold of us. Let's hang out either here on the live feed or uh, just hang out in general. You know, um, let's uh, advance the kingdom of God. So, um, especially apologetically. So, thank you guys uh, for being with us uh, today. Um, we will not take up any more of your time and your life this week. Until next time, this is the Tag You're It. I'm Ray Podcat. Whoa. <laughs> 
This is the Tag Your It Podcast. I'm Ray Ray. And I am Dave. And solely Deo Gloria. <laughs> <laughs>